Somewhere in the bowels of the city that never sleeps. Kevin McCullough, radio host with Salem Media. Is a man also not sleeping. Syndicated radio talk show host Kevin McCullough. And that guy would like a word with you. Many of you know him from as Lux Stradamus. Of course that Kevin show is going to be great. The only thing that could be greater, of course, would be that Donald show. But we don't have that, so we have that Kevin show. Featuring the music of Dick Tunney and the Dream in Color Orchestra. Still to come, she's the director of communication that believes America comes first. Hilton Beckham, sketch comedy from Penn Holderness. And Olivia Lane returns to the spotlight with David Frey and the Sidewalk Prophets. And now, live from Times Square, home to the Brooklyn Deli, which is home to the Reuben Burger. It's a Reuben that's also a burger. Here's the Kevin! Yeah, thanks, Dave. Uh, yeah, I actually tried that Reuben Burger. We broadcast from there just last night for my uh, nightly radio show in New York, Radio Night Live, cleverly enough named. Uh, and it was. It was a Reuben that was also a burger. It had the pastrami and the burger, and it was darn good. Uh, anyway, you got to check it out. It's at the Brooklyn Deli, which is in Manhattan. Don't be confused by that. Here we go. Let's get to the assignment desk. For Assignment Desk Weekend, I'm Kevin McCullough. Let's get to the news. Some pro-terrorist supporters in Congress had a bad end of the week this week. Elon Omar among them, pictured here immediately following being told to calm down by her husband, brother, brother, uh, her brother, husband, uh, the famous Al-Qaeda advocate, lost her mind when she realized that President Biden was actually going to ask Congress for more money to give to Israel for their Iron Dome. How will our rockets ever drive the Jews into the sea if the dome keeps getting better? She asked. Then, turning her fire to Minority Leader Hakeem Jeffries, she probed, why is Biden doing this? To which the Minority Leader responded thoughtfully, you know, because on October 7th, some people did something. Over in the Senate, Democrats kept up their barrage against Israel this week in a back and forth over a resolution put forward by Republican Josh Hawley, which sought to condemn the growing anti-Semitic pro-terrorist demonstrations on college campuses. Democrat Chris Van Hollen from Maryland blocked the measure. So let me get this straight. The Republican is trying to condemn the anti-Semitism, and the Democrat literally opposed and blocked his ability to do so. When Van Hollen left the Senate later that afternoon, reporters were very curious as to his actions, so they asked about the matter. Sieg Heil was all he had to say. Fox News is reporting that Maxim Magazine has named a biological male to its Hot 100 women list for 2023, alongside starlets like, you know, Margot Robbie, both of which are pictured here. 
Can you tell which is which? The dude had previously coached football, something all hot women do, of course, and has a criminal record. Bonus. Uh, in past, she has uh, he has done things like carried up to a half gram of methamphetamine. And he's been convicted for stalking. Wait. So a dude who stalks hot women totally just wants to become one, but not because he wants access to women's locker room so that he could stare at women getting undressed. Okay. Makes sense. From the celebrities we wish would just go away files, Alec Baldwin may be back in the hot seat after new evidence is being turned in, uh, unveiling uh, facts about the death of his director on his low-budget film, Rust. We say low-budget because evidently they didn't have money to hire safety officers and things. Anyway, the evidence is said to include such startling revelations as eyewitnesses and film footage of Baldwin aiming the gun at his director's face and pulling the trigger. You know, little details like that. Baldwin is also among the list of celebrities who have dishonestly declared in the past that they would leave the country if the presidential candidate they didn't like were to be elected. This year, Cher is pledging to do that. So, in the spirit of cooperation, Assignment Desk Weekend accepts her generous offer. But this year, we want it in writing, lady. We're not trusting just your word anymore. And finally... Taylor Swift is being told that she's made a tragic mistake when it comes to the distribution of her era's film in theaters for its second week. Uh, industry experts claim Swift is missing out on earnings because she negotiated the film's release directly with theaters and did not use industry expert distributors. In week one, her dismally distributed film was in 3,855 theaters, the most of any film in the country. And the film grossed $24,000 per show, which added up to $92.8 million, which exceeded the remainder of the rest of the top 10 films combined. Yeah, Assignment Desk Weekend is confident that the industry experts could have done much better not because we all know that Taylor Swift is the mastermind. For Simon Desk Weekend, I'm Kevin McCullough. You should probably get to work, but instead you are doing this, analyzing all these pictures of Taylor and Travis like, oh my God, look at his face, staring at her. And just in case, one hand under, one on top. Aw, oh, like a football that he doesn't want to drop. This one, she is looking at him like he might just be the one. You're already picking bridesmaids. You thought that would be fun. Selena Gomez, Blake Lively, and Patrick Mahomes, his wife, Brittany. Would she invite Carly Gloss? I tried to understand that, but I got lost. You've only seen a couple pictures. But you're taking it way too far What about Thanksgiving? Will the Kelsey's host a star? Will their moms cook food together? Will their turkey be the bomb? And now you're Googling gossip On a football play Here's 
she at the game? Literally, that has been all she is doing all morning and afternoon. Had a moment at the car on their way into SNL. Ran around to get the door. It was cute as hell. Got security out of the way. Open that door. Ushered out Tay. This is what you've been doing all day. Now, will they elope or marry in PA? And if they marry, you wonder. Would Taylor change her name? Then what would we call Swifties? We can't call them Kelsey's, that's insane. And what about Kelsey's brother? His toast would be so great. Would Ryan Reynolds be a groomsman? Will they do a double date? What will their kids look like? Page six made an AI babe. He's in a pair of overalls. You can help decide his name. Hit the page six she at the game yeah so that is all very real hi 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 okay the world has been very heavy lately right we've been paying attention to what's happening in the world i promise but then when i woke up this weekend and i saw these images it became what i obsessed about it was like cotton candy for my brain i'm fast forwarding to it's her choice to have children if she wants children but say she has children if they have kids and she's still touring she's doing the european tour there it's a lot of athleticism in her tour I, she she could do it if she wanted to i have gone Crazy. I have like a phone call to do and a meeting to be on and I cannot stop watching the videos. The feminism has left my body because the way he's like protecting her and like standing in front of her, I, I just love it so much. Again, the world is very heavy right now. I'm thinking a lot about other things. So this is like, this is a, the little distraction I'm allowing my brain right now. There was videos like, I was zooming, it was like dark video of them kissing at the SNL after party. Who am I? I don't care about that stuff like never in my life have I paid attention to celebrities holding hands like <sighs> ready or not we'll be right back guest served in the communications department for the 45th president of the United States. Prior to that, she was working in the Department of Defense, and she is now with the American America First Policy Institute, which, as I have said many times on my radio show, is becoming increasingly maybe the most important think tank in the country when it comes to supporting America First policies. Odd that it would be named the America First Policy Institute. Anyway, that's a different discussion altogether. Please put your hands together, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome Hilton Beckham. Hello, lady. How are you? I'm great, Kevin. How about you? Welcome to the weekend. We always like to have a little bit of fun. Um, you were really a kid when you were working for 45, uh, the first go around, is he going to be back in the uh, white house in 24? You think I'm really, really hoping we, we need him back in office. I want to, I want to talk about that just for a second, uh, because 
he has said, and I heard other people say it, uh, even as he was saying it, and I thought it before I heard him say it, but if he had been in the White House, I don't think either Ukraine nor Hamas would have happened. And I'm just curious your thoughts on how much damage can be done before he returns. I mean, apparently there's there's no bounds, clearly. Like they, they it's just, it amazes me how how far we can go and how the left just seems to not really care when we have, you know, people, what is it now? I think it's over 8 million people that have come into our country illegally um, and that the Border Patrol has encountered at the border. It's it's honestly unbelievable. And, and also, too, I, I really think, and just kind of focusing on the border for a second, I don't think that the Biden administration would have started, you know, being a little bit more forthcoming about the border if we didn't have these far too left cities, Chicago and New York City, starting to sound the alarm about all the illegals that have overtaken their communities. Yeah. So, I mean, it. I, I hope this is a real wake-up call now that the far left and their 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 biggest cities are starting to cry out for help. But I just can't tell with the Biden administration. It seems like they turn turn their head whenever there's a real issue going on. We can. We, we're going to come back to the border in just a second because I think you're right, and I think that there are probably only two, maybe three issues that this entire election should turn on. Um, and certainly that is one of them. Let's get to know Hilton Beckham just a little bit. You, you work in communications now. Did you see yourself when you were a little girl doing what you do today? Oh, my God. No. I I, I have really no idea where our, my path was going when I was younger. But if there is like a foretelling, um, I was actually homeschooled growing up. And my mom, I grew up in Southern California. You know, my that's mom, odd. You don't have a third eye or a horn. I know. Head oh, or my anything. God. Right. Oh, my gosh. The amount of times when people say I'm home, when I tell people I'm homeschooled, they're like, they, they're, they, tilt their head because they don't realize that homeschoolers can be normal. And she's not wearing uh, but yeah. a, a full coverage uh, dress right? because she oh has leprosy God. or anything. Like it's, she's, she's really honestly telling you the truth. She's a, a normal, normal human person. being. That's right. Yes. Thank you. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, but yeah, so I was fortunate enough to be raised with mom and dad in a very conservative Christian household. And they did not allow, we, first of all, didn't really have TV, but they did not allow TV to be on unless it was the news. Hmm. So I grew up watching pretty much Fox News all the time. And I remember when I, I, I ended up doing a kind of a fast track college online and then I wanted to go to grad school and I was like, I just couldn't, couldn't get the, 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 I loved world news. I loved what was going on. I loved cultural issues. And so I decided, I was like, you know what, why, why not go into a journalism degree? And that's what I did. And my capstone project happened to be in Washington, D.C. during the 2016 elections. And I fell in love with the city. I fell in love with how Trump was, was fighting the battle and how he just turned D.C. on top of its head. And um, he made me interested 
in politics. So, so yeah, that's how I ended up in DC. Didn't think that when I bought my one-way ticket here for an internship at the White House, that was my first experience with the White House, that I would, you know, plant roots here, but I did. And I've been here for about six or seven years now. That's, that's really interesting. Well, um, we're glad that you're doing what you're doing. Um, AFPI uh, immediately came into kind of formation upon Trump's exit from office. Mm -hmm. And a lot of the people that you guys have participating with the Institute deal not just um, directly with the topics that they're assigned to, but very in-depth and have lots of experience. You've got a lot of uh, former military brass that serve on the uh, foreign policy and national security team. You've got people that know the economy inside out that are talking about the economic issues of the day. Um, And they do it from a uniquely America first perspective. I wonder if you could just tell us for my listeners that haven't known that much about AFPI, why it's so important for you guys to be there. Well, it's important for us to be here because I mean, if, if most people don't know DC in general is just very far left and it's very easy to come to DC and congressional members, anybody, people who are leading the country and you kind of fall into the swampiness, the thing that Trump was trying to, you know, drain. And we're here because we came here, first of all, a lot of us came here and worked during the Trump administration. We're former Trump officials. And we saw what worked. We saw the policies that worked. We saw what made the economy go up. We saw what what secured our border. We saw, you know, what was good for our education systems, what were good for parents. And so when we, you know, left in 2020, um, of course, the Biden administration has taken over and pretty much just undone everything that the Trump administration did. And a lot of it probably simply because it just had Trump's name attached to it, even if it's something that worked, you know. Well, we and know so- that, that was exactly the policy for the Afghanistan withdrawal because oh, the generals were left with the plan that the uh, Trump team had left them and they they recommended it to Uh, The new president and the incoming administration and said, we have put a lot of time and effort into this. We really think this is the way to do it. And the the stories are that Joe Biden ripped it up and said, no, if it was Trump's plan, I don't want anything to do with it. And it didn't have any more logic or rationale attached to it than that. Yeah. And I mean, the same with our southern border. We gave them the playbook of what would secure our border. And immediately when they came in, they put in so many different executive orders around the border, just stopping the border wall, stopping keeping um, illegal immigrants from staying in Mexico instead of just coming into the U.S. and giving them a, you know, a court date years out from now to show up in. And, you know, they're not going to show up to that court date. But we had so many different policies in place that that made our country where it should be. It put our country first. And unfortunately, and I think this is something we will never truly understand, the far left, they just don't care about our country. They don't believe in the America first agenda. It's almost like they they treat their country like a stepchild. It's just kind of like, yeah, it's ours, but like, you know, whatever, let's, whatever and the other country. If somebody doesn't want. care about America being put first, I have to always ask the question, then who do you want to be put first? Exactly. Um, somebody will be. Um, and if, if if nothing more than a vacuum, who, who goes first in the mind of the people that serve Americans? She's Hilton Beckham. I'm Kevin McCullough. We're coming back from Times Square on this edition of That Kevin Show. Stay right here. Ready or not, he'll be right back.
Now, back to that Kevin show with Kevin McCullough. And we're back from Times Square, home of the famous pizza rats. So famous, actually, that they ran the uh, the bed bugs back to Paris. They said, get out of here. We, we got it. We're all good. Uh, no, I, I, I don't know which is worse, the pizza rats or the politicians in Times Square. And having mm-hmm. to step over both of them oftentimes to get to the studio is discouraging. <laughs> We're speaking with Hilton Beckham uh, here on this weekend edition. And uh, Hilton is with the America First Policy Institute. She runs the comms office there. Hilton, I want to go back to uh, a number that you mentioned, 8 million um, unregistered, unvetted, unknown, illegal uh, persons have come across our southern border, of which nearly 2 million of those are complete gotaways. We don't have any idea where they went or who they were or mm-hmm. anything else. We do have some knowledge of the other 6 million that we stopped and gave a citation to. Um, but when you add that number together, that outpaces the individual population of 32 states individually. Mm-hmm. That is more people than the bottom eight states combined and completely displaces wholesale populations if they were to achieve voting rights in those places. And I just, I would just like to point out that there's no sign of it stopping under the Biden administration. And there's been a lot of people that have wondered what the real goal of importing all these people have been. When you look at the border and when you look at Hamas and Israel and you look at the uh, unrest in the Middle East and the continued threat of terrorism on our own shores, considering that we don't know, really know who these people were and it took only 19 people to pull off 9-11, we are sitting in the middle of a hotbed mm-hmm. of mess. How do we fix it? Well, I mean, you can start off with enforcing the law, you know, just letting your Border Patrol agents do what they signed up to do, let them arrest people, let them take them, let them put them in these processing centers and send them back to Mexico where they can wait and let us actually process your claims and see if they're true or not. I mean, I think a huge point here is that I think people have almost become kind of numb to what's happening on the southern border just because like, you know, you hear it a lot or maybe so bad. it, you, it's almost like you're just thinking, okay, yeah, a lot of people from the, you know, the southern countries are coming through. Yeah, we heard it, we've heard it, we've heard it. But when we see what happened to Israel and knowing that people from the Middle East also take advantage of American borders and how we pretty much don't have one and that they're coming into our country and a lot of them aren't caught, like, what are you, what do you think is going to happen? These people hate Israel as much as they hate the United States. And they don't believe, they, I mean, I think they call what the, Israel the little evil and America the great evil. The little Satan, the great Satan, yeah. Little, well, yes. In the month of August, we stopped people from 163 different countries. Mm-hmm. And there were 146 of them that we stopped. These, these are the ones that we stopped that were on the terror watch list. Uh, again, we've had 2 million come through that we didn't stop at all. Mm-hmm. I mean, this is, this is a significant... I, yeah, I'm upset that Alicia Keys said she wants to take up paragliding in, in honor of the Palestinian terrorists, but we don't even need Alicia Keys to be involved in this. We have cells here that I think are probably ready to start blowing things up if they had the chance. Oh, and 100%. This is, the, this is Joe Biden's America. Oh, 100%. And, you know, bringing up Alicia Keys, it makes me sick to my stomach that we have these celebrities and we have Hollywood coming out and it's like, 
first of all, they have to go with the woke agendas or they'll get canceled or they'll lose followers. It just makes me sick that they even have, you know, people look up to these Hollywood elites. But, you know, when Israel was attacked, it was so telling. And I, this is such a small silver lining because I don't ever think that it's, you know, it's awful that this terrorist attack even happened. But it really said loud and clear these celebrities where they stood. First of all, most of them try to put up Israel, pro-Israel statements, and then they took them down quickly because, you know, they're going to lose followers, they're going to get canceled. And then when they did come out, they had to be like, oh, yeah, we support Israel and Palestine. Like they had to play both sides, even though Israel was the victim of such a violent, horrible attack. And, And it just makes me sick thinking that these Hollywood elitists are, you know, are again the people that you know all of Americans you know we we idolize except they could care less about our country they don't care they don't have the America first spirit they they see our open border and they're like oh yeah yeah we need to be you know we need to be humanitarian and help people that need our help no like we need law and order we need our border we need to support Israel. We need to condemn terrorists and not act like we're the sympathizers to people who do not need our sympathy. Yeah. Now the the horn's starting to grow out of the head. Now I can see it. It's coming on camera. The the homeschool oh. uh, brain. Uh, it makes there. me so angry. <laughs> uh, Hilton, um, it is a real pleasure to have you with us. Please come back and talk to us often between now and the election and keep up the great work at AFPI. Hey, thanks, Kevin. You got it. Kevin McCullough, we've got much more straight ahead from Times Square. Ready or not, we'll be right back. That Kevin. Now, back to that. Kevin McCullough. All right, Kevin McCullough, glad to have you with us uh, one more time. I want to bring it to your attention tonight. We've talked about it a lot over the course of the evening, but it is our very important campaign to help liberate human lives, human beings from the totality, from the terrorism, from the uh, all-out heinousness of human slavery. Uh, In Northern Sudan, the people that we are helping, the women and children that we are liberating were taken against their will. Uh, They were taken as hostages, taken from their homes, dragged from their homes, dragged to a place that was strange to them. They are Christian. Their captors are Muslim. There there are so many comparisons to what Hamas did to the hostages that it's holding and what the uh, Arab Muslims in Sudan have done to the Christians. The difference is you have the entire world focused on the hostages in, uh, in Gaza, and you have no one focusing on the innocent women and children that have been mutilated, abused, uh, beaten, uh, repeatedly uh, treated in ways that are that are inhumane. You know, some of the uh, things that were hard to deal with in the uh, in the Gaza hostage situation was that uh, Hamas put online all of the evil that it did. It showed videos of all of the heinous things it was doing to its hostages. Um, nobody's done that to the hostages in northern Sudan. What they've done instead is they've uh, tried to cover it all up and keep it quiet. Um, but these women have undergone the most heinous type of treatment. Um, imagine being told simply because you were Christian and not Muslim that you had to go down to a dirty river, take the t- lid of a tin can, cut out with a, you know, however they got it cut out, and remove your own um, 
sexual sensory organ, basically, that that you're you, you cannot be a good Muslim woman until that is removed to to basically circumcise yourself. Some of these slaves uh, endured infection so bad after that procedure, it's called female genital mutilation, that they died from infections that uh, set into their bodies. The ones that lived suffered many long years uh, trying to recover, and some of them still endure sickness now because of, of the, uh, the way that it was handled. But that's just one aspect of the life of what these women have gone through when they were taken as spoils of war. They've been abused by their slave owners. They've been abused by the slave master's wives. They've been called names that are so profane, we don't have an English equivalent for it in the English language. And on top of all of that, they were not treated well. They're not given enough food to eat. They're not given clothes to wear. Anything that they have is more or less stripped from them. And whatever they do have, when we end up liberating them, uh, they they don't they have essentially nothing. So when when they are relocated to the uh, South Sudan recovery camp, and they're allowed to talk to a doctor and to get some counseling and to be given a, a change of clothes or maybe more than one. They're given the bag of hope, which has uh, enough grain to feed them for a year, enough seed to plant another year's worth of grain, uh, other utensils that they need to fish and cook and clean with. When they're given all of this stuff, they've never received anything so generous in their life. And friends, that's what your $250 gift provides. It provides the gift that gives them all of the essentials to start their life over in freedom. Once they are liberated, they need this bag of hope. That's what your $250 provides. And the funnest part of all of it, a little she-goat that they can use to breed, to have a micro-enterprise business to support themselves, to create milk and cheese products for their for their own consumption, for their for their consumption of, of those things for their children. It just, it, it's such a joy. They've never known such uh, gifts in their whole lives. And because you do it um, through Christian Solidarity International, uh, they already know of CSI. And when they see the CSI logo, it just brings hope to their heart in a huge way. Friends, could you see your way to help one of the 38 women that we have left to, to liberate this year? That's what it costs, $250 per slave to liberate them and to get them started on their new life. 888-342-1010, 888-342-1010, Now let's hear a story of someone that we've liberated in the past, and the same kind of outcome could be affected for someone this year if you make that gift right now. 888-342-1010 or bringherhome.org. I was a child when I was abducted by the Arabs. My parents used to own livestock and my mother would do all the cooking for us. I don't remember the year that I was captured. There had never been any problems in our village. Then one day, all of a sudden, we heard that there were Arabs attacking Dinka villages throughout the south. We were so worried we could not even sleep at night. It was a big concern to my mother and my father. We were told that these Arabs were heavily armed and would kill all the animals and people when they would attack. We were very scared. Then one morning, they attacked our village. We scattered in different directions and I ran, but I was captured. My entire village was burned down and I've never seen a member of my family since. Then I was taken north into slavery. 
My eyes saw horrific things on that trip to the north. Women were raped right in front of us. Men were beaten, and four men were killed because they tried to fight back. They were shot dead before our eyes. Once at the slave master's house, I was pretty much starved and worked brutal hours every single day doing difficult and very, very hard work. There was no relief, and then they raped me. My slave master did not think of me as a human. He would not even let me go to the hospital when I fell sick. And one day I heard that there was a slave retriever from CSI close by, how I wanted to be free. That retriever secured my freedom. And thank God I was able to return to South Sudan. Thank you to each of you who helped the slaves be free. But please don't stop until we get them all. It's a reasonable request. The phone number is 888-342-1010, 888-342-1010. And your gift right now of only $250 will liberate another girl like a hoke, the one you just heard the story from. The names may sound different to our Western ears, but their hearts, their desires, their lives are no different than your own daughter's. Friends, if you believe that slavery is evil, and if you believe that we should be here to make a difference, then please do. Pick up the phone, 888-342-1010, 888-342-1010. You can also give online by just going to bringherhome.org. That's bringherhome.org. Ready or not, we'll be right back. Serving it up with a no-drink minimum. It's that cabin show. Ladies and gentlemen, once again, Olivia Lane, this time with the Sidewalk Prophets. I couldn't see it then, but I believe it now. Just a searching soul, tired of reaching out. Stuck on the tracks, train bearing down. Screaming from my lungs, who will save me now? As the reruns of the regrets, they were playing inside my head. Got the devil on my shoulder and he's leaving me for dead. Whispers and lies have brought me here. Flooding my veins with doubt and fear. Oh, I, I could not see it then. Oh, I, I could not see it. Oh, my God. My fears up at the sky I wondered why You felt so far from me Oh God It was in my deepest pain That I heard you call my name I heard you say That you were right there with me I couldn't see it then But I believe it now I'm Trying to hold my head up When the ground fell out Felt all alone, even in a crowd, like a sinking stone, dragging my heart down. And the weight of the sorrows I carried on my chest, it kept pulling me under, and I couldn't catch my breath. Not how I thought my life would go. Didn't know my heart could sink this low. No, I, I cannot see it. No, I, I cannot see it. Oh my God. So far from me 
Now I Believe, music from the Sidewalk Prophets and Olivia Lane on That Kevin Show. We'll see you next week.